0: This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer San Diego.
1: Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to be together and uh, so much to talk about. In a few moments, we will visit with uh, Dick Morris, the great Dick Morris, an author. I just was looking back at his writings. Uh, He's got a new book out that's called The Return. And uh, The Return, Trump's big 2024 comeback. But, you know, he wrote a book back in... um, I don't know, 2015, 16 time, and it was called Armageddon, How Trump Can Beat Hillary. So uh, a lot of people, not a lot of people were saying that uh, in the political class. So it'll be interesting to hear uh, what he's saying about Trump 2024. We got a lot to talk about. We'll talk with John Schlafly, too, and we'll cover a little bit of the ground on the elections yesterday, uh, on, on Tuesday, across the country, the primary elections, Arizona, Kansas. And I'll give you the sleeper. At the end of the show, I'll give you the sleeper the sleeper uh, number one I might, I might cover this later in the week too the number one race in this country that happened on on uh, August 2nd the number one race, political result, electoral result that happened on August 2nd you probably didn't hear much about until I tell you and it it I believe one of the future presidents of the United States won his election yesterday to a state level race. So we'll talk about that in a moment. All right. But first, uh, what do you need to know today? Look, I, it's the dog days of summer. In terms of the journalistic class, in terms of the politicians, the swamp is sort of empty. Most of the swamp uh, creatures took their vacation. The, the, uh, the, the Congress, both House and Senate are trying to get out. They're in for some stuff, but they're mostly away. Their staffs, staffs are taking vacation. The bureaucrats that staff all the thousands and thousands of desk jobs are away. Many of them. So it's relatively quiet. And many of you, maybe you're getting ready for back to school and things like that. And uh, kids are getting ready to go off to college, et cetera, et cetera. What you need to know is you got to watch the tea leaves for how they leave little markers, little markers in the uh, in the uh, in the um, on the ground to show you like almost like a trail the breadcrumbs they're leading breadcrumbs leading you along leading you and I along to what they want you to talk about. And one of the reasons why you see articles sort of think pieces during the uh, dog days of summers, because they work on them in, in June and July and they're sort of timeless. They don't need to actually have much of a hook to write the story. Most of the story so that you'll see um, you'll see profile pieces running. You'll see different think pieces about topics. Well, over at Politico, is one that I want you to know about. It's, it's, a, it's a top what you need to know. Politico writes a lengthy piece where the first few sentences, maybe the first paragraph, uh, uh, allude to the fact that if there was a Trump second term, some of the people that have talked about being in his administration agree with the idea of cutting back on the size and scope of uh, government. In other words, Trump did that with some executive orders. There's been some uh, idea of civil service reform. There's been ideas that the, uh, the, some of the public sector unions have too much power. You know, there was a theory until the middle of this, of la- um, the last century that you didn't really want to have public sector unions because the public sector union is supposed to be in the public interest. And so if you have teachers unions, if you have, uh, bureaucratic unions, you know, why, how are they negotiating hardball against the public interest? Anyway, that we are where we are. So Politico runs a lengthy piece saying how it after this opening two or three uh, sentence paragraph, they say Trump's people might do this. And then they go on. And with a straight face, they argue that America's safety, our safety, our national security would be imperiled if any president decided to depoliticize. I mean, they, they call it politicize if they politicize the government. By getting rid of workers. Now think about what's happened. In the last 50 years, we've seen this growth in government, exponential, number of employees, number of agencies, number of uh, high paid jobs, all of these things. You know, people, number of people that make over one hundred thousand dollars that work for the federal government. Extraordinary. It's it's exploded in the last 25 years. We added the Department of Homeland Security, which was thousands and thousands of jobs. We added the EPA back in the late in the 70s and then exploded in the 80s. And with thousands and thousands of jobs, pick an area, Social Security, uh, Medicare, Medicaid, pick an area, even old Fauci, Dr. Fauci. Look at the explosion in the size and scope of what you would call the health uh, related health policy. Aspects of the American government. And with a straight face, Politico is arguing, Oh boy, these bureaucrats, these bureaucrats who are protected under the civil service rules, they can't be fired. They can't be moved. I mean, they can, but it's very difficult. They have all kinds of protections. If they were imperiled, the, the, it would be a threat to our health, our safety, our national security. It's one of the reasons why I don't believe. That you can do reform within the agencies. I believe, and I think John F. Kennedy's administration did some of this because even he was frustrated. Democrats get frustrated with the size of the bureaucra- bureaucracy and the, you know, not less now than Kennedy uh, in the past, but I think it was Kennedy. And one of the pieces of advice someone gave him around that time was don't try to eliminate agencies, it's too unpopular. Try to merge them. And you merge them and get redundancies. And then when you get redundancies, you say, well, you don't need two PR departments if you just merge, merge the uh, housing and urban development departments. I don't think that was an emerged one, but you get my point. And, but we're watching, and they're laying down these breadcrumbs. It's laying down to set, to get you thinking in a direction. And then they will over time, they'll now probably go out and get some experts. CNN, MSNBC will pay experts who will now come on the air and say, oh, yeah, this could be really bad if you cut back. The tens of thousands of employees at all the different levels of, of bureaucracy in the government. It, it could really affect national security. Oh, yeah, we're serious. This is a big deal. We need to focus on this. Here's what you need to know these, the growth of government will never recede on its own. By definition, people don't want to give up power. Give by, the definition of power is not something you want to give up. It, it's takes extraordinary people that give up power. George Washington is the famous one who walked away from sort of dictatorial power, perhaps. But it's 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 absolutely stunning to watch Politico write with with a straight face how national security is threatened by the, the, the this idea. So back to what I was saying: what you need to know, the power will never recede on its own. It has to be done by leaders. It has to be done by people that want to do it. Sometimes it's done by crisis, right? If there's a crisis and the government couldn't afford it in other nations, that happens more frequently than here. If you suddenly couldn't afford to pay all these people, you'd change your dynamic, the dynamic. But just watch, again, what you need to know is see these little tea leaves, see the breadcrumb trail that's being laid for all of us to be understanding what they want us to understand. I bet you, I bet you, And I will bet you that in the next six months, there will be a study or the office of inspector general of some entity will come out with something that says, hey, if we change this or that in terms of civil service, it would cause real peril. I guarantee that's coming. They all build on each other's breadcrumbs, breadcrumbs. All right, we got to We got to run. We're going to talk with uh, Dick Morris and then John Schlafly. We'll take a break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Time to check in with John Schlafly. John Schlafly, of course, writes one half. I think he writes more than one half. I don't know if there's a fight amongst the two of them, but John and Andy Schlafly write a column each week, uh, the weekly Schlafly Report, continuing in the tradition a decades-long tradition, uh, probably close to 40-plus years, of Phyllis Schlafly writing a weekly column uh, ran all across the country, and they these two sons of hers continue that. The Schlafly Report, John Schlafly, of course, plays a senior leadership role within Phyllis Schlafly's organizations, and, uh, and Andy Schlafly is a well-known attorney. Uh, who uh in fact i heard john i saw uh one of our folks uh texted me and said they saw andy schlafly on a tv station and later in the night uh, talking about uh legal issues surrounding the health care uh freedom stuff and all and he, one of the things he does so uh you can check all that out at townhall.com townhall.com is where their column runs as well as uh go on over to uh, the um go on over to dot com where all of the uh, columns are archived so welcome to- back john john before we get to this week's column which i want to cover in some depth what are your reactions to tuesday's elections uh, there was a number of uh elections that people were watching across the country what'd you see Well, i think uh donald trump had a good night um you know it wasn't in
2: 100 percent. of course nothing ever is but uh um certainly the fall of one of the 10 idiots who voted to impeach Trump on the second impeachment went down uh, despite his famous name and loads of money Um, in Arizona. I mean, um, uh, well, I guess the governor's race is too close to call, but the other uh, big races that Trump endorsed are all,
1: I think pretty solid victors. So that's very good news in Arizona. Well and and and, uh, and 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 you know this John this Blake Masters and you and I were texting each other or uh, instant messaging earlier uh, before the show uh, Blake Masters is being attacked as uh, more Trump than Trump um, by the media already now, two reasons for that one is I think they think that hurts him in the general. Um, he'll be going against the astronaut uh, Mark Kelly. Uh, and Arizona, I think, is a considered a sort of a prime pickup based on the economy there, the illegal immigration problem. And but this Blake Masters guy, you know, he's been pretty fearless, John, in a way, even the Trumpy kind of guys haven't been uh, fearless. You know, he's talked about having bigger families and policies that incentivize families. I, you know, he and J.D. Vance talk more about things like how do we have the ability for uh, a head of a household to earn a living so the other, you know, the wife can stay home? I mean, this is unheard of, and and, and they won, uh, or at least um, uh, Masters surged and won convincingly. I was about to say they won convincingly. J.D. Vance is, uh was tighter. But uh, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, is Blake Masters the, the next generation? Uh,
2: yes, it's certainly next generation, certainly younger. I mean, yeah, well. Blake Masters is, I guess, in his 30s. Yeah. And he's got a nice, nice young family. I mean, both he and J.D. Vance have families. So you start with that and they realize the importance of that. And um, so and, uh, you know, Blake Masters was, you know, quoted by The New York Times this morning is complaining that the only problem with Trump's first term is that he didn't get enough done. And so, you know,
1: someone who has starts with that attitude, I think I like that. (laughs) Well, you know, and and the thing the thing about um, Masters, it's interesting is um, and I don't think it matters when I say when I say this next part, people will say oh, someone will try to say it matters. I don't think it matters to the voters. But, you know, Blake Masters is sufficiently bright, talented, et cetera, to have caught the attention of Peter Thiel. Uh, Blake Masters was a student at Stanford when Teal lectured and Blake Masters took notes in his lecture and they turned it into a book together and they ended up working together. And, and Peter Teal is un, 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 unabashed and, and, uh, and transparent. He spent millions and millions of dollars. Peter Teal made a fortune at PayPal, on Facebook and other places and did it for Blake Masters. Now, on the left... You get you get discovered by the left and they funnel, you know, Jeff Zucker was having fundraisers for Kamala Harris uh, when she was a senator. You know, and and many will say, well, who CNN at the time Zucker was in charge picked to, to be a, a successful candidate for anything is going to have a boost. Right. So uh, Blake Masters won with Peter Thiel. I got to say, if Peter Thiel stays supportive, of Blake Masters, it, it, it's a factor. Right. I mean, it's a factor to be a national player.
2: Uh Yes. Now, yeah, that's that's certainly true. But, um, you know, Blake Masters, uh, you know, he can't ride on somebody's coattails. He's got to.
1: Well, I just I just I, I to not to not to mix uh, billionaires metaphors, but he's got to get gas in the uh, in the rocket. And uh, and if Peter Thiel, yeah. who's a friend of Elon Musk, can put gas in the rocket. Well, that makes it a factor. All right. Let me before we go, uh, John, one more buried in the in the heart of America. Buried amidst the New York Times celebrating uh, an abortion, a confusing voter referendum in Kansas that seems to favor abortion rights. Buried across in the heart of America, as, as uh, across the Fruited Plains, is Chris Kobach winning to be attorney general of Kansas. Now, you've known Chris Kobach, I'd say. 20 years, maybe, maybe longer, 25 years. He was a great friend of Phyllis Schlafly. I I think you worked on amicus briefs uh, that were filed in cases he was doing when he was leading the fight on immigration with a mayor uh, uh, in Pennsylvania, a little known mayor at the time, Lou Bartletta. Um, So that's, I think, I think Chris Kobach winning for attorney general is maybe the biggest story in the country. I'll be honest. I think he will be, he will be regarded in 25 years as one of the key figures in American life. Yeah. Well, it's certainly been an underreported story and Chris Mm -hmm. Kobach, even
2: after 20 years, I'd still call him a rising star. Yeah. The attorney general, you know, he has a long way to go from that role, but with attorney general, he can do a lot as the attorney general of a state.
1: Well, and he's smart. uh, He's as smart as a whip. The only, the only mistake he made was years ago. I heard the story when I clerked for a judge in Kansas city, Federal Court of Appeals Judge Pasco Bowman, he he. at one point we saw the news together and the judge said, you know, Kobach, Chris Kobach there. And I said, yeah, he said he interviewed to clerk for me and uh, I offered him a job. But he picked clerking for uh, Judge Taha. Taha. Is that the name out on the 10th Circuit? And uh, so there you have it. It's the only mistake he made, maybe. But all right, John, to the column, John. John Schlafly is our guest. <laughs> if you go to townhall.com, all of his columns are archived there. Headline of today's column is. Latest Biden fail monkeypox. First of all, John, is monkeypox actually a, a problem worthy of all the attention given by the media? I mean, I, I'm, I, I don't want to be disrespectful to people that are sick, but is this is this I mean, I, I'm having a hard time seeing why we're all obsessing over it.
2: Well, I think that's a fair question, Uh, uh, but a couple of issues, uh, certainly monkeypox so far, you might call it a niche disease. Yeah. Uh, And there's only a few thousand people so far, but uh, I think, you know, after COVID uh, runs its course, if, if I hope, you know, many people, many of our listeners hope that COVID has run its course and we're trying to get back to normal, but, the public health establishment is not going to let go of their power that they gathered under right. COVID. I and agree. there's always going to be another public health crisis that will require uh, lockdowns, regulations, masks, uh, possibly mandatory vaccines. You know, there is a co- there's a vaccine against monkeypox. Do you have yours? Oh, well, I didn't, if know. Not, I did, I didn't did you even know. It? Yeah.
1: <laughs> I didn't even realize, but John, is it, is, is it? So is that your fear? Uh, when I read the column, I mean, It's not so much. It's I mean, my fear is that something will be used as a pretext to both divide us and to try to stifle the American people as a political advantage. And just in general, is that the biggest fear? Or is it? I mean, in other words, what could they do? What could the Biden administration do better? Uh, What
2: could they do better? Well, I don't think they're doing anything. Nothing's going to be better, but uh, it's going to be only going to be worse. But uh, but monkeypox, first of all, you, the name is wonderful. And right. let's, I mean, just I just roll that name a- around in your <laughs> mouth a few times. All right. Okay. I mean, you almost don't have to say anything more, you know. And as we say in the column, you know, when Trump was president, we didn't have monkeypox. We didn't have a single case in our country. And now we have thousands of cases. And uh, public health emergency has been declared in you know, two cities and, and five states so far. But I think it's just getting started. Uh, my co-author, Andy Slapley, who, as you say, is an advocate of health freedom, uh, he tries to, to be the leading edge of what's coming. And uh, so this is what's coming. And everyone should get ready for it. That's our view.
1: Do you think, John, we're talking with John Schlafly, uh, and again, Andy, uh, Philly,
3: you,
1: go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, I, I, I thought I lost you for a second. No, 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 no. Um, we're talking with John Schlafly. If you go to phyllisschlafly.com, all of his columns, he and Andy Schlafly, columns are uh, are archived there. Um, John, do you think when you um, – what are the pos- – what's the range that you fear? Is it that monkeypox spreads a little bit more and it becomes – an excuse for fifteen days to stop the spread? Is it uh, is it more uh, specific? As in, hey, this is used to to limit uh, um, uh, health um, healthcare access, or or even um, a way to get more uh, healthcare information and control. What's your what's your what's your greatest fear that could come from this?
2: Well, of course, the disease itself is horrible, right? Uh, even though there have been few deaths, it's uh, very, very painful, disfiguring. But of course, uh, you know most of the, you know most most people, frankly, are not at serious risk for monkeypox so far. Right. But uh, the, I think we're just getting started on this, and you know, we start with the fact that the public health establishment and the CDC and so forth are supposed to prepare America for communicable diseases, infectious diseases first, viruses. I mean, and they didn't. I mean, uh, how did it get here? Uh, I think they need to answer that. And um, so one is the, you know, it's a black mark for the whole Fauci establishment. But secondly, I think they're going to turn that around and gear up for, take control of everyone's health care, like they always do, and is, every everyone needs to be on guard about uh, the next lockdown, you know, uh, the next mandatory vaccine, who knows? Uh, John, um, now, I'm... The, the, the vaccine for monkeypox has been around for many years, and there's no question, I don't believe there's any serious risk about its safety. So it's It's not. it's, it's been... De- Found to be safe and effective, unlike the COVID vaccine, which even at this late date, after two years into it, has never been found safe and. Um, John, and
1: when I John and, and we talk with John, the, John, uh, let me You know, John, let me get in for a second. Um, uh, when I read this, uh, talk about the politics for a second. When I read your column again, Andy, uh, Andy, and John Schlafly write the Schlafly report. Um. You, you basically can cons- you, you describe that when Ebola came into the United States right before the 14 election, it didn't it didn't help Democrats. It didn't help Obama. In fact, it was looks like the opposite. Now, you could say, well, 14 was going to be a, a Republican year anyway and all. But I, 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 you look up right now in America and if you're not a lunatic who's been watching CNN and MSNBC you look at it and you say, "Well, Burks admitted. Doctor Burks admitted she lied. Doctor Fauci's already said he lied. I don't know who to trust with these people. It doesn't seem like it's worked the way it's supposed to. I don't understand this. And now they let mon- Biden let monkeypox run wild. Uh, I mean, isn't this almost a right. death now? Remember, I mean, Biden, Biden 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 got elected on
2: a promise to end COVID, right? And he did not end COVID. It only got worse. There are more right. deaths, more cases after his election than before." And the vaccine, I think many of your listeners realized that was not what it was uh, su- supposed to be, uh, and it did not solve the problem, perhaps even made it worse. And uh, so here we are now with another virus to worry about.
1: Well, I mean, the other thing, John, the only thing I'd say about that is not, when, when are the American people going to learn? I mean, Joe Biden also ran, looked at the camera and said, I will never talk to uh, the Saudis. They're, they're they are, These are the worst people for what they did. As soon as he got in office... He, he talked to the Saudis just like Trump did. Trump said, I, I'm not going to try to manage Saudi Arabia. I'm just going to try to protect America. Biden did the opposite. Biden said, oh, I'm not that the wall is offensive. And then he, he, the other day he releases some of the funding that's been sitting there for some of the wall. I mean, you know, lying is not a distinguishing characteristic at this point in history in presidential politics, especially on the Democrat side. I mean, Trump Trump actually would say all the things he was going to do, might not get them all done, but he never backed off of them. He still was talking about building the wall, even if, you know, Ann Coulter's still mad it wasn't all built. But, all right, John, I got to run, unfortunately. John Schlafly, everybody, his column is over at uh, com archived, because I'm looking at it there, and you want to read it and then go back and read his other ones. He and Andy Schlafly, uh, every week, will come up with uh, some important writing and some important uh, thoughts, as he said trying to stay ahead of the curve a little bit on what's coming we need to take a break everybody we ran a little long we'll be right back it's ed martin here on the pro america report back in a moment welcome back welcome back ed martin here on the pro america report hot off the presses hot off the presses uh, I guess it ran, uh, Tuesday, maybe a little bit behind, but Ted Malik, our great friend Ted Malik has another piece over at American Greatness, amgreatness.com, amgreatness.com. It's, <laughs> it's called the BS ticket, the BS ticket. Beta O'Rourke and Stacey Adams would stand for quite a lot of bull. And then here's the sentence that I wondered. I, you know, that everyone, all, all authors will tell you that they, they don't write their headlines. So the second part of this headline is, but it just might work for Democrats this time. Welcome back, Ted Malik. How are you? Well, it seems like I'm full of parody. Uh, <laughs> let me be. Let me be clear. You you saw the results on uh, Tuesday this week. Um, it looks like Americans are fed up with the direction of the country broadly, right? And it looks like Trump is more powerful uh, or more influential than ever. I, am I overreading any of that? Well, how could that have
4: happened? Just how could that have happened? Uh, it, <laughs> I'm dumbfounded you know seems like where i sit everything is going perfectly well <laughs> well i'm I, continuing in the erotic uh, uh, stream of thought in.
1: yes i i uh i have to say it's funny to get you it, ted malik of course businessman author all these kinds of things and it, you do love that uh that role these days every maybe third or fourth column will be one of these parodies uh but back to the point do you really think because let me say this about stacy abrams I'm not. Yeah. I don't like anything she does. Nothing, but. Uh, but how about her novels? It. Eh? Well, I exactly. <laughs> you're in a you're in a mood. But but I will say this: if you know the system, the racket, you know, if you know the racket as it's run right now in America she's mm-hmm. she's run the racket well i mean you know she got herself the right kinds of degrees she mm-hmm. turned around she raised a boatload of money she's got her sister i think on the federal uh bench yeah. right so she got a uh you mm-hmm. know you're in terms of the old model of the communists, make sure your family gets jobs too because you want stability in your extended family so here she is she's making millions and millions of dollars in books and appearances and let me just say carefully She's not a charismatic figure. She's not mm-hmm. a modern, you know, ever, my father used to always say JFK ruined it for everybody because it became a, a fashion show after JFK. Mm-hmm. You know, it was looks and TV and all. She doesn't do any of that, but she's making a fortune and milking the system. And, you know, the other guy that tried this and ran against DeSantis, he's in jail. He's going to jail. The, the former mayor of, uh, what, what, uh, Fort Lauderdale, no, uh, Tampa, wherever. Tallahassee. He
4: was. Tallahassee.
1: Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So, so you have to salute her ability. To, game this, to, to play the game the way it's, the rules are set now, right?
4: She's very good. She's very good. The, and they edited this out of my article, so I'm going to put it into you, this conversation with you. Uh, whereas Beto's last political commercial was him at the dentist, it seems like they should spend some money on Stacey going to the dentist.
1: <laughs> well i can see why Amer- even american greatness doesn't want that all right so but you but you you can see my point right again in the racket yeah, it's like it's, like, it's, a, so it's, well. a, it's yeah. like mark elias mark elias people say oh the guy's uh the guy is this or that he's making a fortune milking the democrats to to rig the system and smiling all the way well yeah and,
4: and if you can win by negative uh Point scores, she's on top. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Right. So all right. So um and now Beto to me is really an indication of the emptiness of the Democrats. I mean he's oh, he's how can you say
4: this. Head. <laughs> Defend him. Go ahead. He's John Kennedy renewed,
1: huh? <laughs> Picture was on the Atlantic magazine
4: as the man you'd most want to sleep
1: with. Really? I didn't see that. I don't read those kind of uh, I guess I don't I can't read those kinds of things. That's uh so <laughs> all, all right, so but 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 I mean what What's your point? I mean, I know besides fun and parody. My point, my point is, if you put two losers together, that
4: you might get a winner.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, actually, let me, let me ask you a different part of this question, a different part of this uh, context. Is, um, is Trump running?
4: Apparently so. His son has Trump 24 on his golf bag. So why would you waste money on something like that? Wait, I didn't
1: see that. Which so uh, which Trump, Eric or do you got? Really out of touch. You're too beltway oriented. <laughs> no, I'm not uh, I don't follow the golf bags of the Trump family. Which of them had have- uh, this
4: this was at the Live Golf Tournament in Bedminster. Oh I see. So if you had your eyes on that, which you know only a few of us did, you saw that little logo, Trump twenty four on Eric's bag.
1: Oh I said. well Eric is the one I think Eric is the one I'd watch more because Don is yeah. seems like Don is having fun wherever he's going yeah. and Eric has kind of got his head down. Um so so, yeah, I, Trump,
4: Trump is uh, is apparently running so, and he had a good good night last night. I mean his I mean his I would say my yours ours our candidates won last night.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, that was uh I think this uh this guy Blake Masters is oh, he's good. uh he's, he's the he's, real thing. Well, and I tell—I tried to say this to John Schlappley earlier in the program. Uh, uh, Ted, he sort of pushed back a little. I mean, it as a compliment. If you can get people like Peter Thiel to invest in you, that's a compliment, yeah. right? The left does it all the time. If you're talented, I mean, then look go to your guy. Beto has got all these nitwits and be giving him big money. And Peter Thiel is one of the smartest guys in America, most oh, yeah, successful visionaries, right? So here he is and saying Bill this Blank guy ran
4: goes. his venture capital fund. He didn't just invest in him; he's right. done him a long time. He what? thinks that he has goods.
1: Yeah. And the other one, though, I will point to, I'm not sure. I'll see. test you on how close you're watching. Mm-hmm. Chris Kobach won for attorney general of Kansas, which to me yeah. is. A-
4: so that'd be nice to get him into a position like that because he's, he's a hardcore real guy. Now, he has had setbacks before. So, uh, you know, he's got a win in Kansas, which should be doable for him. I mean, he's very well known.
1: Well, I look. I think he won the primary where they ran the establishment person at him, and I just don't think Kansas in this environment, with they've got a Senate race up top, Jerry Moran. So I think yeah. you're going to have he's a Republican. They have to, no matter what anybody thinks of him, they have to protect him. So you're going to you're going to see turnout amongst the Republicans be high enough. I think Kobach has a great chance. And then, as you point out, then he's a, he is a hardcore smart guy and and talented guy. All right, but back to Beto and Stacey Abrams. They both yeah. lose.
4: Well, yeah, of course they're going to run for president and vice
1: president. They have to lose. <laughs> I mean, they lose first in their races this year, and then they. But that then they... doesn't
4: matter to the Democrats, right? Because you can fix the next election; they can win the next election. It's it's the perfect kind of rounding out of the uber progressive ticket. As I say, you get everything. You get everything: illegals first, education debt free for eternity, free birth control. Abortions anywhere and everywhere, end of citizenship, sanctuary com- country, far higher tax, of massive uh, tax on the rich, the middle class, seizure of all guns, no female sports, minimum wage of about $100 an hour, additional stimulus checks, <laughs> ad infinitum. I mean, the seizure of uh, of all the stolen U.S. land. I mean, you know, the whole continent was stolen.
1: Right. Right. Um, did you, I mean, this is the most important question. We talked with uh, Ted Malick about his uh, very insightful uh, prediction here. Did you read any of the books by so, written by Selena Montgomery? Now, my question before I answer that in our yeah. candor was, did you know that was her pen name? I did not know. I'm going to give Selena uh, Zito a lot of grief for this. Uh, uh, And so, but so you did let me, I did not know that. I did know she wrote some novels. I actually didn't know they were trashy sex, uh, kind of things. I didn't know that either. I just thought that they were some, you know, didn't she go to Harvard? Everybody goes to Harvard, thinks they could be a writer. So I figured she somebody published it, but did you read them?
4: I have to admit it. And I said in the article, I have not read them, but I can
1: imagine. I, I think you should read them. I think this is, you should start doing some book. You're um,
4: still reading the great books, Ed. I mean, that, you know, those 52 books I've more or less memorized.
1: <laughs> All right. So now to the, your prediction in the fall. Um, wh- I wanted to ask you a few weeks ago, uh, something came yeah. up, and I thought, uh, not the prediction on the uh, results. We um, can do that when we get closer. I mean, what do you think the hijinks are? What are the chances that Pelosi with her billions and billions and, and Schumer with their billions and billions and now, you know, we have the Biden administration who have said they're going to spend a billion at least uh, through uh, HUD uh, to protect ballot boxes and drop boxes or whatever that is. So what? what how much hijinks do you, do you see it or is it or is this um, is it too the wave too big?
4: Well, I, I think I do see it. Surely they, you know, they've done it before. They're going to do it again. And they're going to be places you can name the six or eight where it's going to be most intense, but probably the wave is so big this time that even they can't pull this off. You think? <laughs> you really think? That, that's what I think. That's what I pray. But they're obviously going to be places. Arizona is one of them where they're, where they're going to try to do the opposite. Probably Michigan.
1: Uh, my, yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the, the one wrinkle I tell people is it, it, uh, they only had to do six or eight places in the counties for the election, but they really only have to do about 20, uh, yeah. if you want to k- try to hold the house seats. Um, so we'll see. All right. As always, Ted Malik, thank you very much. Thanks for your time. It's so uh, one of the, the Ted Malik parody, uh, columns. They really are good. And even in, parody. I do I,
4: did, I did want to tell you my next column coming oh, out, good. which your, your listeners will really appreciate is it's entitled, I went to church on Sunday.
1: <laughs> well can you give us a little bit of a, a subtitle or description
4: Well it, it's not your grandfather's church would be my sub uh, hosting oh. but uh, okay very disappointing okay sacrilegious sacrilegious really
1: okay good well we'll look for adding adding to your uh repertoire sacrilegion. Uh, all right ted malik everybody as always i'll put it up on social media nice you gotta it. run ted thank you we'll take a break we'll be right back it's ed martin here on the pro america report <laughs> back in a moment
2: this is the phyllis schlafly report presenting a daily conservative perspective since 1983 continuing the legacy of phyllis schlafly And now, from the archives of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, here is Phyllis Schlafly.
3: We can no longer ignore how taxpayers' money is incentivizing divorce and creating children who never or seldom see their fathers. We can no longer ignore the government's complicity in the predictable social costs that result from more than 17 million children growing up without their fathers. Fatherless boys and girls are much more likely to run away, abuse drugs, get pregnant, drop out of school, commit suicide, or end up in jail. The root of almost everyone's unhappiness with the family courts that hear the cases of family disputes is the use of a legal doctrine called the best interest of the child. This phrase originated in British law and originally meant the presumption that courts should generally stay out of family decisions because parents should determine the best interests of their children. This was confirmed by our own Supreme Court in 1979, which said natural bonds of affection lead parents to act in the best interests of their children. Most U.S. family law was rewritten in the 1970s, and somehow the meaning of best interest of the child was dramatically changed. It has become a buzzword to conceal the transfer of parental rights to judges— This phrase is now used as an affirmative grant of power to family court judges to overrule parents on all child-related issues. But that change is so wrong. It is contrary to the rule of law because it gives judges extraordinary discretion to enforce their own prejudices and to micromanage lives. The best interest standard undermines parental rights because, instead of saying that parents are the final authorities, as the family unit was understood for centuries, it allows judges to make routine child-rearing decisions. And judges have no competence to determine a child's best interest, so they rely on poorly trained so-called experts who make unscientific recommendations about custody and visitation.
2: This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. The traditional family is the building block of our communities and country. That's why it's imperative to support strong marriages, respect fathers, and champion stay-at-home moms. At phyllisschlafly.com, we oppose the liberal attempt to redefine the family. To join us, visit phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report.
1: Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, in the category of what could possibly go wrong, listen to this story. I referred to this a few weeks ago. It's the story is actually about uh, 10 days ago. Uh, it's, it's out there and it's gotten very little coverage. Here it is. The new, there is a new election division in the United States Postal Service. So the United States Post Office will now and the election division will oversee mail-in ballots you understand that so you're now going to have a special division the election and government mail services division and it a permanent division focusing on election issues now here's the interesting question right they they the move on the left is to have more mail in ballots ostensibly it's because access and all that but more people being candid, will say they think it's to the advantage of uh, of their 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 constituency and increase their uh, voting. Uh, but do you know that there is a postal service union? Do you know that the postal service union endorsed Joe Biden against Donald Trump? So now we have workers who are led by a union. Doesn't mean they all agree with the union. By the way, we've had that conversation before. But they are going to have their union endorsing a candidate for president and then they're going to run the elections through the post service now post office let's be clear from the beginning of the last century and famously um, famously uh, fdr and every uh, others knew that the postal the postmaster general was a job that was a huge patronage job because if you became in charge if you were in charge of the post office you could hire Lots of people, and you could influence lots of things, and they were good jobs. They were really good jobs. It's a little bit like at the founding of our country, he or she uh, who was appointed, mostly he, probably almost exclusively he, at the time, to be the head of the custom house in a port like New York or Baltimore. That was a huge job, not only because you were uh, paid well, but because you had influence over hiring of many, many jobs. Now, flash forward to today, and we've talked about this already earlier in the program, that we have institutionalized the patronage but only on one side meaning we have allowed the patronage system to put in place unions that hold jobs for the left that's not denied nobody denies that there's no swinging back and forth broadly speaking of voters in the unions so instead of having patronage where he or she who is elected is the one held accountable for what how the system works you have regular meaning permanent classes of workers who are governed by somebody else and by somebody else if you're the, president of the united states you don't have influence over the, over the that are running the country because they're going to talk to their union they're going to stick with the civil service union you can see that it's not i'm not, I'm not projecting that i'm just what you see and now we have the postal service getting into the business of elections what could go wrong <laughs> What could go wrong? All right, we got to run. Thank you, as always, to our great uh, Noah Dingley, the producer of the program, Joanna Spilger for her associate producing, and all of you for listening. We'll be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Talk to you then.
0: This is the Pro America Report on The Answer San Diego.